subject matter, coarse language, intense situations, and is meant for an adult audience. Listener discretion is advised. foundation on which churches are built. Imagination is awakened and secrets are buried. Bleeders Digest issue number eight, The Decker House. This story is called The Decker House, written by Spider One. This is a true story. Now, I know it's a true story because it's my story. In full disclosure, I'm telling you this from Pelican Bay State Prison in Crescent City, California. So yeah, you can probably guess this true story doesn't end that well. Now before you go and make a bunch of assumptions about me, let me just say you'd be wrong. I'm not a thug or a gang member or a drug dealer. And I'm not some despicable white-collar criminal either. I'm none of those things. But I'm also not innocent. Not in the least. I'm locked away in a maximum security prison for life because I deserve to be here. Guilty as charged. But before I get into all that, I'd like to go back a few years. My name's Luke, by the way, and I was always a pretty normal guy. Average in a lot of ways, but overall, I'd say happy. I got a job straight out of college working as a researcher for a sports division at a local cable news network in Southern California. It didn't pay great, but they offered a health care plan, and it had some bonus perks like tickets to games and occasional meet and greets with some professional athletes when they'd stop by the station. The biggest perk of all was that that job is where I met my wife. I mean, where I met the girl that would become my wife. Amy worked in the news division, and I would see her most days in the hallway or the commissary getting coffee. It didn't take long for me to figure out her break schedule and for me to line up my breaks to coincide with hers. I wasn't stalking her. Well, maybe a little, but I I really wanted to meet her. She was so pretty and always seemed to be in a good mood. It took a few weeks of lurking, but I finally found the courage to say hi. I approached her as she was pouring her coffee. Hey, hi. How's the coffee here, I asked. She looked at me, smiled wide, and said, I don't know. You tell me. It was at that moment I realized I was already holding a cup of coffee in my hand. I was so nervous I didn't even realize it. What a dope. She laughed at my awkwardness. (laughs) Not a mean laugh. Not condescending. She laughed like the whole thing just made her so happy. I think I fell in love with her instantly. We'd see each other pretty much every day and talk a little, first just joking about the coffee thing, but over time, we'd talk more, and I really thought we were connecting. I decided after about a month of this, I was going to finally ask her out. I was scared because if she said no, this whole connection thing was one-sided. I'd be devastated. But I also knew I'd never forgive myself if I didn't give it a shot. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I think I told her I had some tickets to a basketball game, and I asked her if she wanted to go. She told me she wasn't the biggest sports fan, which, of course, I took as a nice way for her to reject me. But then she said something that I'd never forget. She said, Luke, of course I'll go. I'd watch 20 holes of golf if you asked me to. 
And I said, I think golf only goes to 18. Well, see how much I like you? And so, yeah, she said yes, and that's how it all started. Things moved pretty fast after that. We were inseparable, in love, and married inside of a year. I don't mean to fast forward over all the good times. It's just harder to talk about that stuff than it is to talk about the other stuff. The bad stuff. I'll get to that. We were sharing a little two-bedroom apartment, but knew that if we were going to start a family, which was the plan, that we would need a house. Now, buying a house in Southern California on our salaries wasn't going to be easy. A 900-square-foot shack in the worst neighborhood was going to cost over half a million. With the down payment and the closing costs and everything else, this seemed impossible. But we were determined. Our real estate agent, Jean, was nice enough. She was an elderly woman. Impatient and showed us a ton of houses, but even she was beginning to wonder if we were able to pull this off. We were all about to throw in the towel when she said something reluctantly. Well, I do have one more property I could show you. We pulled up to this old craftsman's house. It was a little rough around the edges, but otherwise pretty impressive. Tons of charm and unique details. The neighborhood was okay too. Up and coming, I think is what Jean called it. The inside of the house was big and empty, a few cobwebs. Apparently no one had lived here in a few years. Nothing was updated, but even the old countertops, tiles, and moldings, it was was in pretty good shape. It had a great vibe, and I think both me and Amy were getting excited. Of course, we were also both thinking this was going to be too expensive. That's when Jean told us the asking price. What? It was easily a hundred grand below anything else we'd seen. Even stuff that was much smaller. There had to be a catch. Jean's demeanor shifted. She suddenly got very serious and and pulled us in as if she was about to tell us a secret. I'm not legally bound to let you know any of this, but I do think it's the right thing to do. Okay, we were listening. Some things happened in this house. It was decades ago, the early 70s. Have either of you heard of the Decker family? We both shook our heads, no. Well... It was all quite tragic. A young family all murdered. Actually, it was the husband. He chopped up his wife and two little girls into pieces before turning the axe on himself. Chopped his own skull down the middle like a log of firewood. Just terrible. Wow. Okay, Jean. Way to let us down gently. I remember we both stood there silently, our jaws on the floor. Jean broke the silence. That was a very long time ago. Others have lived in the house without any issues, although some do think it's haunted. But I think that's nonsense. I mean, who believes in ghosts? This was a lot to take in. I told her that we'd have to sleep on it and let her know how we felt in the morning. I'm thinking there's no fucking way I'm buying a house where the whole family was murdered. But to my shock, on the drive home, Amy was all amped up and tells me, We need to buy that house. Are you serious, I ask her? And she says, Come on, that stuff happened like 50 years ago. I feel like it's only as important as we make it. Plus, we're never going to find another house at that price. I was surprised at her attitude, but Amy was also very persuasive, and exactly 30 days later, we became the proud owners of the Decker house. We were so busy with work and moving that we honestly didn't think much about the horrible stuff we'd been told. Everything was great, and we were really starting to turn that house into a home our home. About a week later, Amy had to leave town for work, and I promised I would take care of a bunch of house stuff while she was gone. First being the removal of wallpaper in the living room. 
At first, we had considered leaving it up. It was old and had kind of a cool classic look that really went with the vibe of the house. The problem was the, the paper kept peeling and just it just wouldn't stay stuck to the wall no matter what we did, so it had to go. I scraped and scratched the years-old paper from the wall, and I slowly began to uncover a thick, brownish-red stain. I worked feverishly until the entire wall was cleared of all the paper, and I, I stood back in horror. The fully exposed stain was about four feet wide and splattered from the floorboards to just below the ceiling. Blood. It was definitely blood. I stood there frozen. My skin went cold. I had to cover this up now. And as far as I was concerned, Amy would never know, know anything about this. I spent hours that night working on the wall. It took a good four coats of paint before the stain wasn't visible anymore. It was a relief to have it gone, but still terrifying to know that it was under there, hiding. I went to bed exhausted and pretty shaken, but nothing would prepare me for what I saw in the morning. The wall... The freshly painted wall was now stained again, stained right through. But how? That dried blood was 50 years old. There's no way it could have made its way through four coats of paint. But there it was, from the floor to the ceiling. I didn't know what to do, but out of desperation, I I pushed a, a, a large bookshelf in front of the stain. At least for the moment, it would be covered until I could figure out a more permanent solution. Then my phone rang. It was Amy. I had to answer. I I always answered when she called. Hello? Hey, babe. How's it going? Good. What's wrong? She said instantly. She knew me too well. Nothing. Why? I can tell something's wrong. Is the wallpaper giving you trouble? No. In fact, I've already painted the wall. It looks great. I lied. What? You painted? I thought we were going to do that together. Then I don't know. I don't know why, but I lost it. I screamed through the phone. What the fuck do you want from me? I try to do something nice and you complain. Fucking typical, Amy. She went silent and then softly said, I gotta go. And she hung up. Fuck, why did I do that? Why did I lose my temper like that? I don't think I ever yelled at Amy since the day we met her. Definitely not like that. Little did I know, this was just the beginning. In fact, over the next few days, things got, well, bad. I know I'm going to sound crazy when I tell you these things. In fact, that was my lawyer's defense strategy for me. Of unsound mind, I think, was the technical legal term. But I'm not crazy. Not now, not then. The truth is, I was overpowered. Overpowered by that house. That Decker house. After the bloodstain appeared through the wall, things just got worse. At night, the house would creak and moan. Doors would open and close on their own. Tapping scraping sounds would rattle the windows. I didn't want to say anything to Amy. I mean, the next morning, I'd I'd spend an hour and a half on the phone just apologizing for my outburst. I wasn't about to ruin it by telling her about bloodstains and bumps in the night. And the truth is, it, it had gotten worse. It was more than just creaks and bangs. I would hear voices, too. In particular, the voices of two little girls. They would appear mostly at night, at the foot of my bed or at the end of the hall. And they would speak to me. I would hear. Go get the axe and daddy won't come back. Go get the axe and daddy won't come back. They would morph and transform from cute little girls to grotesque, mutilated victims. Back and forth, back and forth. Go get 
The more they would appear, the sicker I would feel. I'd get headaches, chills, I'd feel nauseous. The stain on the wall had grown and started to creep outward along other walls and up over the ceiling. The creaks and moans throughout the house had become constant, day and night. What was I supposed to do? Amy would be back from her trip in, in a couple of days. I, I can't have her come home to this. I can't have her dream house turn into a house of horrors. There had to be a way I could stop it. Later that night, the girls returned. Go get the axe, and Daddy won't come back. And this time, their words struck me strange. Go get the axe, and Daddy won't come back. The story Gene, our real estate agent, told us what, was that it was the dad that had killed his wife and kids. So why were these girls saying to get the axe to keep Daddy away? Who were they talking to? Something didn't add up. I jumped out of bed and ran to my computer and searched the Decker house, the Decker murders, the Decker family. I sat for hours poring over any information I could dig up. And one thing that I did find that didn't fit Gene's story was that the mother's body was never found. The daughter's, yes, chopped to bits. The father, yes, his head split in two with an axe, just as she said. But the mom, the mom was never found. It was just assumed she was murdered by her husband and disposed of, buried or burned, but never found. Why would Jean leave this detail out? Seemed like a pretty big piece of the story to forget. Was her knowledge of the Decker family history a little shaky? Or maybe, just maybe she had something to hide. I decided that old Jean had a little explaining to do. The next morning I called her and asked if she could swing by the house. Of course. I have a showing in your neighborhood. How's noon? Noon is perfect, I said. Looking forward to it. A lot of what followed is, is a little blurry, but I do remember a few details clearly. I stood in the entryway, quiet and still, waiting for Jean's arrival. The sounds of the house ringing in my head, louder and louder. The blood stain from the living room had covered every wall now. Then promptly at noon, a knock. It was Jean. It was her. And at that moment, from the corner of the room, the two little girls appeared. Go get the axe, and Mommy won't come back. They said. Then again. Go get the axe, and Mommy won't come back. Mommy? I asked. And then the girl said something I'll never forget. It's her. It's her. She's the one that killed us and Daddy. An axe was suddenly leaning against the front door, waiting for me to pick it up. Jean knocked again. Hello? She called out. I swung the door open, axe in hand. Luke? She asked, confused. Hello, Mrs. Decker! I said as I dropped the axe deep into her face. Her skull opened up and she fell hard under the floor in front of me. I finished the job by dicing her up into little pieces. I chopped and chopped and chopped, just as she'd done to those poor little girls. I slid to the floor in exhaustion and stared at her mutilated body. Her limbs, head, and torso ran red like a broken sewer pipe from hell. The pool of blood expanded around me until I was surrounded, my clothes drenched and heavy. I did it. I saved the house. 
The little girls had disappeared from sight. The blood-stained walls were now clean, crisp, white, and the haunting creaks and moans had fallen silent. I saved the house. But more importantly, I saved Amy. The police showed up shortly after. Apparently, the, the mailman had noticed a steady drip of blood escaping from beneath the front door and down the steps. I was arrested and never saw freedom again. I haven't spoken to Amy either. I miss her terribly, but as I lie here in my cell alone, I rest easy because I know she is safe. Safe from the Decker house. The Decker House. Written by Spider-One. Featuring Spider-One as Luke. Chrissy Fox as Amy and the Decker Girls. Michelle Carter as Jean. Engineered by Tyler Connolly. Production, sound design, and music by Chrissy Fox. Bleeders Digest is created and curated by Spider-One. Chrissy Fox, Trevor Shand, and Lauren Shand. Subscribe on your favorite podcast provider to never miss an episode. Bleeders Digest is a presentation of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. Every town has its dark history. Hometown Ghost Stories is a paranormal podcast that goes town to town all across the globe, exploring the world's most haunted places, tapping into the dusty archives and the darkest corners to bring you the most terrifying stories of real people and their harrowing experiences. Hometown Ghost Stories dives into the history of haunted locations and investigates why and how these places earned their terrifying reputation. Rob, Dave, and Jesse go live every Tuesday night after an uninterrupted documentary-style breakdown on the case, followed by an open discussion with live viewers. Subscribe today to listen to Hometown Ghost Stories on your preferred podcast platform or watch the video version on YouTube and now Spotify. Head on over to the Bloody FM Podcast Network and check out Hometown Ghost Stories, if you're brave enough. (laughs) 